Hello, I'm iChurch. Hi, I'm Me Church. It's gone. What's gone? My favorite program. No warning, it's just gone. I always watched it. Same time every week. But I've heard really good things about this new program. But it's not my program. Just give it a chance. They didn't even ask me. Ask you what? My opinion. <laughs> You're not the only one watching. I mean, they're trying to reach the widest audience possible. That's it. I'm switching stations. Whatever will make you feel better. Yeah, you got to love those, right? Uh, let me just take a word a, a moment before we get into the sermon uh, to talk to you about a brand new series that's coming up in just a few weeks. The series is called Shift. You know, uh, so many times in our lives we think, you know, with God we can be better. And that's true, but that's so short of how we need to think. Because with God, you can become totally different. In fact, think about this. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are born over again. So what we're going to do is we're going to be looking in the shift series at some people that God transformed their lives so much they became so different their names changed. So uh, that's more, more will be coming up on that, but I cannot wait to get into the shift series. It is a great, great opportunity to see how your life can be transformed. So more, more to come on that, and we'll be talking to you about it. But just keep that in mind. Also, I believe the many invites are available, and uh, you can start sharing with your friends about how that God can transform their lives. Okay, here we go. We're in a series called Intentional Life, and it's about getting your life in the zone. We've said that it's important to, to think about the, the prospect of getting your life so synced up with God that you're in the place of maximum blessing. It's been a very difficult thing for God followers to do throughout all the generations. In fact, when you study the Israelites in the Old Testament, there really is about really only one time where they got their lives so synced up with God, they lived in a golden era. And we're studying that era in the book of Joshua to see what are the keys that allowed them to live life in the zone. Joshua is a new leader leading a new generation. The previous generation died in the wilderness because they wouldn't trust God and have the faith, you know, to take God up on his, uh, on his challenge. And now this new generation is coming along and, and they're going across the Jordan River as we saw last week and they're about to go into this promised land, this Canaan that God has told them they could live in, where they would live in houses they didn't build and eat from vineyards that they didn't plant. They're going to live life in the zone. They're going to experience life at its best. And we've already seen how that God challenged them. They took the first step. They put their feet in the water of the Jordan River. God opened up the river. They went over on the other side, and now they're in Canaan. That's where we left them. We also said they took time to rock the house to celebrate, even though they didn't know how they were going to take Jericho, which is this great city that nobody else had been able to take. Jericho stood like a, you know, like a fortress to guard Canaan. And anybody who had wanted to go into Canaan would have had to have taken Jericho. Israelites didn't know how they were going to do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take time to tell a story that you probably already know at least the piece of. But God had this strange plan where they would walk around Jericho, you know, seven times, one time each day for seven days. And it was so cool. If you read the story, God told them not to say anything. Can you imagine how eerie that had to be for the people of Jericho? Because they're thinking, well, they can't get across the river, but now they're across the river, and what are they going to do, and how are they going to attack us? And they just like walk around the city quietly, nobody's saying anything. On the seventh day, though, they don't stop the first time around. They go around the city seven times. This is God's plan. God says, shout, and the walls come down, and they take Jericho. It is the most unbelievable victory. It would be like 
an 0-16 football team, since we're about to start football season, it would be like an 0-16 football team starting a brand new season and defeating a perennial champ and winning the Super Bowl. That's what happened with the Israelites. They did the unthinkable, and they beat Jericho, the one city they had to beat to go into the promised land they beat. It's no wonder. This is in Joshua 6, verse 27. The Bible says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his name became famous throughout the land. He's in the zone. He's there. You know, you ever see this, you know, Joshua now, he's become the new leader, and, and uh, when he's standing in front of the people, the people are applauding. Yeah, he's the man, and Joshua's standing up like the political figure. Why do political figures always point to people in the crowd when they give speeches? You remember Bob Dole had the thing going with the thumb and this, you know? I, I see Joshua kind of like doing that. He's famous now, and everybody is looking up to him. He's the new leader. I, there will be a point in your life when you follow God where God really begins to bless you and God will make it apparent to everybody else that he has elevated you. When you get to that place, you got to be very careful of something. And that is the idea of thinking, I'm there now. I'm there. I'm not going to have any more problems. I finally arrived. I got the job that I was hoping to get. I married the woman I was hoping to marry. Uh, We have kids now, and we've got the home that we always wanted to build, and we've got life in the zone. We are there now. See, the challenge is in understanding that even in the zone, bad things can happen. You can actually get to the place where God wants to bless you, and God is blessing you, and God is going to continue blessing you, but then stuff can go very wrong. And I just want to warn you about that, because if you do really get your life in the zone, and you are employing the keys that we're talking about, and stuff does begin to happen in a very positive way for you, and then if something goes wrong, you're going to think, oh no, what's happened? Am I not where God wants me to be? Because that's exactly what's about to happen to Joshua and the Israelites. The Bible tells us that after they took Jericho, the next little town had a little name, and it was a little town. And the town was called Ai. And Joshua's commanders got together with him, and they said, we, we really don't think we have to take the entire army up to take this little town, this little community, because we've been so successful with Jericho. It's a little tiny town. All we have to do is to send a, a small uh, division up there, just a few thousand men, and that's all it will take for us to get AI. And to make a long story short, they go after AI and they get soundly defeated. They get routed. The, the people of AI run them back to where they came from, leaving several dead Israelite soldiers on the ground. And it is devastating. The crowd has gone from celebrating Joshua and celebrating their victory in Jericho and celebrating being in the zone to wondering now what's going to happen. And and I I want to read a kind of long section of text here in Joshua chapter 7 because I want you to feel what the Israelites are feeling at this moment. Because remember this, even if you get in God's will, if you're so synced up with God that you're right where God wants you and God is blessing you at the ultimate, I want you to know things can still go wrong. Look at Joshua 7 verse 5. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Remember the second key, the climate of radical encouragement? You know, God saying to Joshua, you be courageous. Joshua saying to the people, you be courageous. The people saying to Joshua, you be courageous. And there's this upward spiral of radical encouragement. But look at the text here. The Bible says their courage melted away. Joshua and the leaders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay and threw dust on their heads, and bowed down facing the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, 
sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. See, that's what I'm trying to say to you. When, when you're in the zone of God's blessing and something goes wrong, it can be so scary and so disheartening and so confusing that you can begin to say, God, I don't, think I'm, I don't think I must be in your will. I thought I was, and I thought you were blessing, and I thought you were in sync with, with me, and I was in sync with you, but now I don't know, and maybe I shouldn't have even tried this, and maybe I shouldn't have got married, or I shouldn't have taken this job, or God, I wish I could go back to where I was. Isn't it interesting, after all we've been looking at the last few weeks, all this courage, all this strength, that at this moment of setback, Joshua's saying, I really, I don't know, Lord. Maybe it would have been better if we'd stayed on the other side of Jordan. Verse 9, for when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe us off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? I mean, Joshua's just wasted here. I mean, he is, he is in trouble. He's led the army, and they had the pep rally, and they celebrated, and they rocked the house, and they said, yeah, we're in God's will, and the walls of Jericho fall down, and, 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 and everything is going great. But now they got beaten in this little town of Ai, and Joshua's saying, oh, no, the wheels have fallen off, and we're going to lose this thing. Now, in seven, chapter 7, verse 10, God weighs in. Because if you see it up to this moment, and by the way, I, 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 you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have just been liquefied by something in life? I have been where Joshua is right here. I mean, you're just liquid. You don't know how, I mean, it's like you're not, you don't have a list of things to accomplish. You just, it's over. And you just sort of lie there on the ground and you pour out your heart to God. And you think, I, I, it's, the game is over. That's where Joshua is at this moment. But now God weighs in. Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant they have stolen the things that I commanded to be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, they've also lied about it and hidden the things among their belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies. See, there's a disconnect between Joshua and the Israelites and God. Joshua thinks he took a raiding party up to take the little town of Ai, and the people of Ai were stronger than they thought they were going to be, and they beat them. And God is saying, no, there's something spiritual going on that's having a negative effect on the whole team. And what you should understand, it wasn't like the whole nation did this. It was one guy. A little background. Jericho, as I said to you, I think, in a previous sermon, Jericho was a very wealthy, sophisticated city. The Canaan's had a very urban, very sophisticated culture. It was very wealthy. And again, like I said in the previous part of the message, nobody had been able to defeat them, so they had amassed all kinds of wealth. And God had said to the Israelites, when you go into Jericho, you're going to find all kinds of money and all kinds of valuable stuff. And God said, leave that for me. Don't touch it. Don't take it with you. It's to, be, it's to be set apart, to be burned up. It's mine. And everybody, here's what's so strange about this. Hundreds of thousands of Israelite soldiers obeyed. All except for one guy. And his name was Achan. Now the word Achan means trouble. My cousin Anita, who's uh, many of you have seen her perform. Some of you may have seen her this week at Central Christian. She and I had to go downtown to speak at a, at a, at a service before we came here today. And we were talking about Aiken on the way back. And, and I was saying, you know, I don't know if they called him trouble because of what he did or if his name is always trouble. I kind of think it had always been trouble. You know, some people are trouble, right? I mean, here's the thing. I mean, this guy was, he evidently had been trouble from the time he was a kid. Here comes trouble. His very name means trouble. 
But Achan, when he got over into Jericho, he saw a really nice suit of clothes, a Babylonian suit of clothes, and a wedge of gold and some money. And he said to himself, nobody will ever know if I take this. And he took it back to his tent, dug a hole in the ground, and buried it. And that's what caused the Israelites to lose. What do we draw from that? Here's something really big. Here's a big life lesson. And if, you, if you've got a corporate team or if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're in a family, whatever environment you're in, if there are a lot of people in here in your, in your environment, think about this. All it takes to have a real setback is for one person to lose the vision. The problem with Achan, and, and if you read that story and you read about him taking, if you read about him taking the, the money and the, and, the, and the garment, it can look like Achan was materialistic. But that's not really what was going on here. What the problem with Achan was, he lost the vision. He lost sight of the prize. He lost sight of the destiny. And when you and a team are going someplace, whether it's your family or it's your team at, at the, in the workplace, or if it's just your friends, or if it's here at the church, when you and a group of people are going someplace, as long as everybody keeps the vision and everybody keeps their eyes on the prize and, and the vision is what motivates the actions, as long as everybody does that, you're in good shape. But often all it takes is for one person to take his eyes off the prize for the whole team to be, be affected. You know, what happened with Achan was he began to worry about his own security. You might not read this if you weren't, you know, if you were just sort of scan, scanning through the book of Joshua, this might not draw a lot of, of attention, but two chapters earlier, the Bible says in Joshua 5 verse 12, no manna appeared that day and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. Now, Achan, and, and again, I'm just probably throwing more at you than you want to know, but Achan was not a young guy. He had kids and probably grandkids. So remember this, you know, when God had handed down the edict to Moses and said, nobody over 20 is going to go into the promised land, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and everybody over the age of 20 is going to die. Most of Achan's life had been spent, probably 40 years, or at least 40 years of his life had been spent with, either as a slave or wandering around in the wilderness. Now, when God took care of the Israelites in the wilderness, he gave them something called manna. Every morning they woke up, and there was manna, some kind of bread-like substance that was on their doorstep, and that's how God kept them alive for all 38 years that they were wandering around in the wilderness. That was the life that Achan had known. He had come to depend on that manna being on his doorstep every morning. But now that he is across the Jordan, that manna has stopped. It's not there anymore. And God has said... Don't worry about that. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to eat a lot better than that. You're going to eat from all these vineyards that you didn't, didn't plant. And you're going, to, you're going to live life at its finest. And it was not that God was shutting off the manna because he wasn't going to take care of them anymore. God was saying there's something so much better than this. There's something better on now, like we just saw in the video. But Achan lost sight of that. And he was thinking, well, what if God doesn't come through? I mean, I've depended on this manna every morning for 40 years. And if God doesn't come through, we're going to starve to death. And how do we know that things are going to be okay? So when he saw that garment and he saw that gold and he, he dug a hole and he buried it, he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hedge my bets and I'm going to take care of myself. And if God doesn't come through, then I'm going to have something to fall back on. Ladies and gentlemen, here's a big life lesson. Whatever you depend on for your security... We'll drive your train. It'll make all your decisions for you. If you draw your security from your sex appeal, it'll, it'll make all your decisions for you. If you draw your security from pleasing people, it'll make your decisions. If you draw your security from money, it will make all your decisions. 
Whatever you draw your security from will determine your whole life. I mean, there, there are people that do all kinds of things that they know is not in their self-interest simply because they want to get security from it. There are people that, that do things that they don't want to do, but they want to please people. And so when they get that affirmation from people, they get a little bit of security, and they do all kinds of crazy things because they want to get that affirmation. It's what they depend on for security. Whatever you depend on for security will make all your decisions for you. Just think about that. That is why God is so big on faith. Faith is depending on God for your security. If you depend on God for your security, then God will drive your train. And that's what was wrong with Achan. Achan was saying, I don't know that I can depend on God anymore. The manna used to be here, but the manna's not here anymore, and it's disappeared. And I don't know, this may be a land that flows with milk and honey, and maybe God will take care of me, but just in case he doesn't, I'm going to break the rules. And I'm going to take this gold and this garment and this money, and I'm going to dig a hole, and I'm going to bury it, and I'm going to put it in my tent. And if God doesn't come through, then I'm going to be okay. But he wasn't okay. And not only was he in trouble, he caused trouble for the entire team. Folks, never forget, all it takes to take a step backward is for one person to lose the vision. How many homes have broken up because one person, one man, one woman lost the vision and everybody suffered? Often in sports, there can be 11 people on a team, say in football, but if one person does something wrong, the entire team suffers, the entire city that supports that team suffers because one person has lost the vision. Now, there's something that I want to deal with that's kind of controversial here. Because when, when God told Joshua something was wrong and he told him that there was a person who had stolen and done something wrong, God brought down judgment on Achan. And it, it's pretty radical because Achan lost his life and it appears that even his family lost their life. And it's pretty heavy. And there are people that read this story, and they kind of shrink back from that and say, how could, how could God do something that harsh? When one person loses the vision and threatens the entire team, what I want you to understand is that God comes down real hard on that. Whether it's a church or a home and family, or if it's, if it's a, a team, if one person loses the vision and causes the entire team to lose, God takes that really seriously. And he took it so seriously that Achan wound up losing his life over that. Why? Why does God come down so hard on the kind of thing that Achan did? When one person destroys a family, and, or one, you know, one, one person, you know, maybe this, here's a guy that just decides he's, he's tired of his wife and he finds a younger woman that he likes that's more attractive and he kind of goes off with her and then the, they, the couple winds up getting a divorce and the kids have all kinds of difficulty as a result. And this guy will come talk to me maybe and he'll say, hey, pastor, God's going to forgive me. And I'm saying, yeah, God will forgive you, but don't think you're going to skate by because God takes this kind of thing real seriously. Why does God take it so seriously? And why does life get very tough for people who lose the vision and cause difficulty for other people? It's because of this. In life, it's hard to build. It's easy to tear down. It's hard to build a family. It's hard to build a marriage. It's hard to build a successful business. It's hard to build a successful team. It's hard to build a great church. And it's so easy to tear things down. I mean, we're watching that happen. I just mentioned churches. We're watching that happen all over our nation today. Just sometimes one or two or three people can lose the vision and create all kinds of difficulty. And, and, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and this is so strong because you know, a lot of our Catholic friends read this verse and it says, if you destroy this body, God will destroy you. And they take it to mean that if you commit suicide, then you'll die and go to hell. But that's not at all what God was saying. He was talking about the church. And God is saying, you bring harm to the church. God is saying, I'll bring harm to you. 
Why? It's so hard to build. It's so easy to tear down. And that's why God makes it real hard on people who lose the vision and cause things to be torn down. And that's what happened with Achan. He didn't trust God. He didn't, he didn't look to God for his security. He, he broke the rules. He caused people to die. And God said, Achan, I'm going to cause you to die. There's a reason why God makes it expensive when people lose the vision. But now here's what I came to talk to you about today. I'm talking about when you get life in the zone and then something goes really wrong. What do you do? See, success in life, I don't know how to articulate this. I'll, I'll try. Success in life is not in not having any problems. Success in life is what you do when you have problems. You show me any successful person, and if you sit down and talk with that guy or with that lady, they'll be able to tell you, they'll be able to call out a litany of problems that they've had. They'll be able to tick off for you a list of things that could have taken their business under, taken their family under. They'll be able to tell you all kinds of problems that they've encountered. But when you listen to them, you'll also hear what they did when those problems came about. If you've never had many challenges in life, chances are you look at people, you look at businesses, you look at environments, and you say, wow, if I could only be where they are, if I could only be married to the guy she's married to, if I could only have their money, if I could only have that company's business, I wouldn't have any problems at all. There is no place in this world where you can go. There is no level you can achieve where there aren't problems anymore. And that mega successful company that you think that you would like to be, if you got into seeing what they were dealing with, you would discover they have more problems. The larger they get, the more problems they have. But what you do when you have problems will determine your success or failure. There are three things that I find that God said to Joshua that are so important. Number one, God said to Joshua, get up. That's hard. Because if you've been dealt a really tough blow in life, it feels good to just lie there and suffer for a while, you know? I don't want to get up. I mean, Joshua's lying on the ground crying. But you know what? If you've just really been rolled over by some tough thing in life, to be honest with you, at least lying on the ground gives you something to do. Right? I mean, you can say, at least I have an identity. I mean, I, I was going forward. I did think I had life in the zone, and I was famous, and people were thinking that I was going to be a success. But I got knocked down, and at least lying here, I become a monument to what happened to me. And there will be people who will come by and kneel beside you and say, oh, you poor thing, you have really been knocked down, and I'm so sorry for you. But you know what? If God has called you to do something great, and God wants you to live in the zone, it does no good to lie there on the ground and moan. God said to Joshua, get up. Joshua was saying, oh, God, huh, we've been defeated, and the Amorites are going to kill us, and why didn't we stay on the other side of Jordan? And, oh, I don't know why we're over here, and this is such a mess. And God is saying, Joshua, just get up. Just get up. And I'm talking to some of you today. That's you. And it's not your fault, maybe. I mean, maybe it wasn't something that you chose. You wouldn't have done it. There, there are just things that happened. I mean, this, Joshua didn't do, any reason. He didn't do anything to create this problem. He'd just been a great leader. It wasn't his fault. Didn't even, he didn't even know what happened. And that may be you. I mean, you may have been hit really hard by something you had absolutely no control over, and, and you're the one who's suffering. And it just feels good for a moment to lie down and cry. But it's not going anywhere. God says, get up. That's number one. Number two, God said to Joshua, take care of business. 
If you are going to get up, take care of business. If you've been knocked down, chances are there's something that went wrong, and you need to get in there and work on what went wrong. Don't go to pieces. Just quietly get up and begin to analyze what happened. What needs to be done next? You say, well, there are a hundred things that need to be done. Don't worry about the hundred things that need to be done. Worry about the next thing that needs to be done. What is the next thing? i got to tell you, so many times in leading this great church, I did not know the end game. I did not know where we were going to wind up, but by God's grace, I always knew the next step. Take the next step. In this case, Joshua just had to deal with Achan's sin. He had to go before the community there and say, hey, this is why we got in trouble. There's a guy here who did something wrong, and we need to get him out here and deal with him just as God tells us to deal with him. So when you get knocked down in life and you experience trouble in the zone and you, get, and you just want to lie there and cry, number one, get up. Number two, take care of business. You know, you say, well, I don't feel like taking care of business. I'm just going through too much grief. I'm going through too much stress right now. You know what? One of the most helpful things that will happen to you when you go through a lot of grief and struggle and stress when things go wrong, one of the most therapeutic things that you can do is to begin to deal with what went wrong on a rational, reasonable basis. So number two, deal with what's gone wrong. And number three, resume the chase. God said to Joshua, you got more battles to fight. you got more ground to take. Get up and get on with it. And I'm glad to tell you that the Israelites did exactly that. And they went on to take Canaan because they regrouped after a setback. How many of us need this message today with some particular element of our life that's not going the way we want it to? Maybe you thought that by being in God's will, you'd never have issues again. I can assure you, you will. But the challenge is in syncing up with God and then going on with him.